It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. This past week, we spoke with Democratic Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton, a Marine veteran, about AI. He, like others, is focused on regulation, but in the context of AI can and should be used on the battlefield. As many experts sound the alarm about the dangers of AI, and some even call for a pause, Moulton says we have to charge ahead, not just because our adversaries will, but because AI can do a lot of good, limit civilian casualties, help commanders make decisions, and that there's a real possibility our adversaries could join us on some rules of the road, that we could all agree not to use AI in certain ways, even with countries like North Korea and Iran in the mix, and the possibility that they could ignore newly set international AI norms. We spoke with Moulton as the debt ceiling deal became official, and so we ended our interview with his thoughts about discussions over spending reductions, especially how future cuts could impact our military budget. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Weekday Rundown podcast if you haven't already. Now, here's Congressman Seth Moulton on the Fox News Rundown Extra. All right. Well, I know you have limited time, and I do want to focus on that op-ed you wrote. I I might have a debt limit question, though, for you at the end if we have time. Okay. So, Congressman, name and title, even though we know it, we'll get an audio level. Sure. Congressman Seth Moulton from Massachusetts. So, I read your op-ed regarding AI. We're not a a tech podcast, right? But um, I I think one of the most interesting things you noted there was – this idea that every country signed on to agree, they, they've agreed not to use blinding lasers, right? We won't burn out our adversaries' retinas from a mile away. Um, and it, it seems like in reading the op-ed that, that you use it as, as an example of, of the, you know, of a rule of the road that everyone can agree to aside from like nuclear weapons. And I'm, I'm wondering when you call for the international community to come to some agreement on the use of AI moving forward, um, that's an interesting point, right? That there are some things even our adversaries can can agree on. That's right. I mean, I'd even throw out the Geneva Conventions. Now, everybody, everybody likes to point out how the Russians are violating the Geneva Conventions left and right in their war in Ukraine right now. But actually, the simple fact that they feel they need to hide the massacre in Bukha, or they need to apologize for the fact that some Russians cut off the heads of Ukrainian soldiers. It shows that the convention matters, that 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 even our adversaries respect the Geneva Conventions fundamentally, even if they don't always follow them perfectly. And that's why you can't use the excuse that our adversaries aren't interested in this stuff to not try. We need to try to limit the use of AI in warfare because the consequences could be literally catastrophic. What is it about AI? Like it still has too much good potential use that we we can't all just simply say, you know what, ChatGPT4 is good enough, let's leave it there. Um, Let's let's just stop working on this as you've seen in many articles and many op-eds and and many uh, bigwigs in AI have said, you know, have posited the possibility that maybe we just stop now. And it sounds like you're saying, that's not realistic. We we can evolve with it for the for the good it can do. Is is that am I right? Absolutely. I don't think we should stop. In fact, my 
argument to the United States and to the Pentagon in particular is that we need to accelerate our development of AI to get out ahead, to get ahead of our adversaries so we're in a better position with more leverage to actually limit its use. But look, I think AI is going to help us cure cancer. I think AI is going to help education every single day in our kids' schools. I, I think that the positive possibilities of AI are limitless, but we have to focus our regulatory efforts on the very dangerous use cases that are out there too. And AI and warfare is probably the, the biggest one right now. Uh, yeah, I think it's perhaps the, the scariest. Um, you you paint the this picture in your op-ed of, of swarms of drones acting autonomously on whatever it sees as like an enemy or adversary. That's obviously a terrifying image. And it reminded me of that Black Mirror episode with the bees. They were called autonomous drone insects. It sounds like you're saying that sort of capability in the wrong hands is a real possibility. And yet our Navy is already working on these so-called drone swarms, right? It, it's not just a real possibility. It's not far off. And we might be the first to develop it, but China's, I think, working harder on AI than we are. Vladimir Putin has come out and said, whoever whoever has the best AI is gonna rule the world. So we know our adversaries see this as a potential advantage. We know they're working on this. And we know because of their behavior in conflicts like Ukraine, that they're not gonna put the same moral guardrails around its use that we do here in America. That's what makes it so dangerous. It makes it so dangerous to us, to our troops on the battlefield, because, because our enemy's AI-enabled weapons will be less constrained than our own. It also makes it just fundamentally dangerous for the future of humanity. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that once we get one swarm of AI drones, it'll be a matter of years before every army in the world has these, and we could see I mean, literally worldwide wars with AI enabled weapons that could wipe out humanity. That's not an exaggeration. I think this is every bit as dangerous as nuclear weapons. Listen to the all new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to me more about. AI use in the military. You you painted this picture in the op-ed of a, a car full of explosives hurtling towards service members, and you posit like, what if AI had assessed that that, you know, assessed that car that it was too heavy to be just carrying people, that it could maybe be used to read the faces of the passengers to detect behavioral threats. It, it kind of makes me think police departments might benefit from that. Um, although, I, could we end up? using AI to make assessments it shouldn't be making? Like, should should part of this conversation be when you when you posit that possibility of using AI on the, AI on the battlefield like that, that it only be used in on the battlefield and not domestically in that capacity? Well, what I'm saying fundamentally is that the positive possibilities of AI are, are limitless at this point. And, and, and we can barely even imagine the amazing things that AI is going to do and that's going to be true even in warfare. There are ways that AI can make warfare much safer, cause fewer civilian casualties, less collateral damage, help help commanders make decisions more quickly. That's all good. It's just the, the narrow use cases where it can be very evil. 
in the hands of the wrong person, unconstrained, not following the conventions of warfare that have been established for a long time, like limiting civilian casualties or collateral damage. It's those cases where this is so, so dangerous. And, and I think that's why our effort has to be focused on not trying to stop AI, not trying to pause development, but really getting together with friend and foe alike and saying, we've got to set some rules, some guardrails around where we can use this and where we won't. If, if countries like Russia and China were to say, you know what, let's let's all sign on to a deal. And that and we all see that as good that we've regulated AI in some sort of international framework. Um, it still makes one think about, as you say, if this is as dangerous as nuclear weapons, possibly. What about North Korea? What about Iran? What if this technology gets into those kinds of hands, into the kinds of hands of people who maybe say they'll follow an international framework, but maybe won't in the long run. You're absolutely right. And we have these same concerns around nuclear weapons. Most nations in the world have agreed to be responsible about limiting not just the use of nuclear weapons, but their proliferation. There are so many nations who have agreed we won't even have nuclear weapons. We won't try to acquire them. But then, of course, there's Iran that has an illicit nuclear weapons program and North Korea that not only has an illicit program, but threatens to use them all the time. That's why this can be so dangerous. And it's why it's important to have not just our allies on board with limiting the use of AI in warfare, but our adversaries as well, like like China, for example, which has a lot of leverage, much more leverage than we do over North Korea and what North Korea does. Uh, just a couple more for you on this front. I, I think the whole conversation about the military and AI and the possibilities there makes me wonder if the, if the real capability isn't necessarily on the battlefield, but in cyberspace. I think that's maybe an obvious uh, uh, point, right? Like if we're talking already about ransomware and malware potentially taking down things like our critical infrastructure, then as you said, the imagination can sort of run wild with the possibilities, right? Then. Then in that realm, in the cyber realm, um, is, is that actually an even more scary potential? I don't know if it's more frightening, but I'll tell you that AI is already being used in cyberspace. And frankly, it's being used in much more conventional ways we don't even realize. The Patriot missile system, which has been a, around for a while and is protecting Ukrainians in Kyiv, at this very moment, it's essentially an autonomous system, but it's a good example of where America has said, under our rules and our moral guidelines, it's still gonna be a human who pulls the trigger, who says, mm -hmm. okay, yes, we are gonna shoot down that incoming object. I'm confident it's not a passenger plane, for example. But the Russians just today were bragging about how their new anti-aircraft missile system operated 100% autonomously with no human interaction whatsoever to shoot down some Ukrainian drones. Hmm. That's a great example of how already our adversaries and we have not agreed on how AI is allowed to operate in these circumstances. So let's take the regulatory question back 
just to the domestic front for a second here, because we've seen OpenAI's CEO testify before Congress, and he was saying, you guys need to regulate this. Um, we, we saw that AI copyright hearing before a congressional committee. Uh, people in AI who've been studying AI and researching it say this could all go very wrong very quickly. I, I guess I'm wondering, so, so now what? Like, how does this, in a regulatory sense, not go the way of social media, where we had multiple hearings over several years and still no regulation on that front? Well, this is a huge risk, and Congress is so far behind on just simply understanding this technology. I mean, forget AI for a second. Like you say, we haven't even figured out social media yet, and it's been around for 15 or 20 years. So the idea that we're going to get out ahead of this and successfully regulate the entire AI industry, I think, is unrealistic. And that's why I'm calling for Congress to just focus on the most dangerous cases like AI and warfare. That's where we should be concentrating our efforts. It, let, let me just also say that it's pretty significant when you have the executives of these companies, the companies that have developed this technology and stand to profit off its use, coming to us and saying, you need to limit us. You need to limit <laughs> our technology. You need to limit our profits. That's how significant this is. That's how dangerous this could be. And it also, it also bears pointing out where were you three years ago? I mean, I co-authored the Future Defense Task Force report where we said exactly this. We've got to get out ahead of AI and establish international norms for its use. But I felt like I was screaming into the wilderness back in 2020. Where were those tech executives then who were developing this technology? They've waited too long. Interesting. Okay, so I can't have a congressman on in this uh in this time without asking about the debt limit, right? Um, I wanna ask you specifically as you served um, about future caps on defense spending. It sounds like the defense budget would get increases, but somewhere it wouldn't really be enough and likely not in, you know, to keep pace with inflation. So the argument is it would really amount to a cut. And I'm wondering just how do you see defense spending caps, especially in this geopolitical environment where we're being told every other day that you know China might try to go after Taiwan like you know, in the next handful of years? Well, it's a good question because uh, Kevin McCarthy has succeeded in actually cutting the defense budget with respect to inflation. And that is a concern when we live in such a dangerous time with so many threats around the world, a, a massive war going on in Ukraine and the massive threat of war in the Pacific that the people like me sitting on the China Committee in Congress are trying so hard to deter and prevent. But there's also a lot of wasted money in our defense budget. So the question is, how will the Pentagon deal with these cuts? Will they act smartly and get rid of the big, expensive, heavy, old, manpower-intensive weapon systems of the past that, by the way, cost a ton of money and replace them with the innovative systems that we see winning on the battlefield in Ukraine. You know, taking uh, drones that cost a few thousand dollars to take out multi-million dollar tanks. That's a great example. We shouldn't be investing in multi-million dollar tanks. We should be investing in thousands of dollars of drones. 
So then finally, sir, what's your take then on some of the criticism of, of this fiscal year's, but I should say the proposed fiscal year budget for 2024? Um, there, there does seem to be a lot of concern at every hearing I've uh, witnessed about the reduction in, in ships, the, 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 the naval fleet being sized down under, you know, in this budget and in, in this administration. I mean, what would you what do you say to those concerns, especially if we would need our Navy would be probably the most active branch should there right. be activity in the in the Indo-Pacific? Great question, because this is an amazing example of exactly what I'm talking about. We look at the number of ships as if it's 1985. Everyone talks about Reagan's 350-ship Navy. But what we really should be looking at is the capability of those ships. It's not about how many ships you have. It's about what they're actually capable of doing. In many cases, the ships we have today have the equivalent power of multiple ships in the past. But then the other side of this is that I think we should be investing in a lot of autonomous ships, in much smaller ships, essentially drones on water. In that case, we might end up with a thousand or two thousand ship navy, but the vast majority of those will be small, inexpensive, and inexpensive, and you know, no great loss if they're blown up kind of ships that can be much more effective in this modern age of warfare. Congressman Seth Moulton, thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.